This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Busting Bust Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. All right, some Nats things to tend to. Before we get to Barry's for Luga for an update on whether or not the learners are going to sell, and he's going to make the case as to essentially why they may not. Uh, you'll hear that coming up in a few. Lane Thomas was named a Gold Glove finalist. What do you think of that? It's awesome. I mean, this is a guy we talked about when we went through our report card. I mean, this is a guy that deserves an A because compared to expectations, you didn't expect much. I mean, this is a guy coming into the year. We talked about being a fourth outfielder. Now he's a gold glove finalist. I don't expect him to win it going up against Mookie Betts and Fernando Tatis, but at the same point, just to be in that consideration. And then what he did at the plate as well, I think is spectacular. This is a guy that could play everyday right field for you if you need him to. And so I think it's well-deserved that he gets this recognition. He didn't get an all-star nod, even though we think he deserved it. But to get the nod as a Gold Glove finalist, I think, makes up for it. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a huge deal for a guy who was basically scratching and clawing to be a big league regular as recently as a year ago, right? I mean, he came into this season having been the organizational player of the year last year. And I think I read a story where Jesse Doherty sat down with him and his wife late in the season. You know, it really wasn't until the all-star break this year where I think he took a deep breath and said, okay, like I'm, I'm a big league starter every day. They're not going to bench me if I have a bad couple of days. And, you know, to, to live that way for so many years, you know, upper minors, majors now being 28 before you can really feel like, all right, I, I've carved this thing out. I'm going to be in the big leagues is, is high stress and anxiety inducing. And, and he's battled through it to now have uh, some, some star power to him, which is really, really cool. Um, specific to winning the award, I think he had a better year defensively than Mookie Betts did, in my opinion. Um, I don't think he had a better year than Fernando Tatis did. Uh, just looking up the easiest, most available defensive metrics. So this doesn't mean this is the end-all, be-all. But uh, Baseball Savant provides what they call uh, value, run value as a hitter, base runner, and fielder. And his fielding run value was 67th percentile. Mookie Betts' was 27th, and Fernando Tatis's was 96th. And they calibrate that based on some things like range, arm value, and arm strength. So Lane Thomas, the calling card, and this won't surprise Nats fans, is his arm. Uh, he had the second most, or may have been tied at the end for most outfield assists. I'm not sure, but he had you know, closer to 20 than 15 outfield assists this year. It was amazing. 
his arm value is 97th percentile and his arm strength is 96th percentile clocked on average about 93.4 miles an hour on his throws from the outfield. The problem for him is that his range is 21st percentile. And so anecdotally, when we heard that he was a finalist, I was a little surprised because I'm like, man, I, I don't know that he gets to as many balls as like the great right fielders in baseball. But when you have that many outfield assists, <clears throat> excuse me, your arm is that accurate and strong. And it's, it's a calling card. So it carried him into the, the conversation deservedly. So I think, cause it's a, you know, that many outfield assists close to 20 in a season is that's a game changer, man. That, I mean, the amount of work you've put in to save your staff is pretty incredible. Um, I'll continue with the metrics for Mookie and Fernando, but any reaction, any of that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the arm, and you can start counting the outfield assists, but I think the bigger impact, obviously, is how many guys don't run after you start seeing some of those things. And, you know, first to third, he's holding guys at second. And the thing that's really nice about Lane Thomas's arm is it's not a wild one. He's very accurate with it. I mean, there were times when you'd be sitting in the press box and he'd uncork a throw just to hold the guy at second, and that would hit the third baseman right in the chest. I mean, it was never something where it was wild all over the place. He keeps it, you know, from going awry. So that way you're not giving up extra bases with errors or, you know, he's throwing it off target so guys can advance. He's always accurate with the baseball as well. So I think the arm deserves it. I don't know if I would consider him a gold glover because of the range, like you were saying. And it's kind of funny to see Mookie Betts down there in the 27th percentile because I always consider him as one of the best right fielders in baseball with his range and his ability. But I think Fernando is probably going to win it just because of his ability to. I mean, he's a shortstop, he's a freak athlete, and he moves to right field, and all of a sudden he's a gold glover out there with his yeah. arm and his ability to range. So I think he'll ultimately win it. But it's a really cool nod for Lane Thomas. Totally. The metrics on Mookie, by the way, because I would have thought the same thing. I mean, he covers ground. He's just outstanding and right. Anecdotally speaking, and the reason he has a chance to win the award, probably uh, these things are, are voted on, right? I mean, the, when you think who's the best defensive right fielder in the game, he's one of the first guys that comes to mind. His range this year was 16th percentile. His arm value was 59th and his arm strength was 73rd. So, in terms of the two arm categories, Lane outdid him. In terms of Fernando Tatis, there really wasn't a weakness. 94th percentile range, 94th percentile arm value, 99th percentile arm strength, which is why the the you know the fielding run value, the FRV, uh, was so high for him, uh, according to Baseball Savant. But fingers crossed, Lane Thomas uh, gets some love here. Uh, you know as much. Every amount of uh, mention and interest that he gets in this is, is probably a good thing in boosting the Q rating overall. And it's one of those things where, as you said, it's it's just good to be included uh, for the moment. Nationals have some prospects in the Arizona Fall League right now. Uh, Robert Hassel is getting an opportunity to participate and to take part in the Fall League, which I think is a good thing. I mean, he had gotten hot right at the end of the minor league season, so it kind of felt like it was going to be a shame that his season was ending after one of his best week-and-a-half stretches. So they decided to send him out to the AFL. He'll be primed in the spring to compete with the big leaguers, and hopefully, you know, after some AAA time, uh, they might be able to get him into, um, you know, the big leagues a month or so into next season. But he's the headliner of their fall league class. Yeah, I mean, for him, it's just, can you find a way to get out of this funk that really it seems like he's been in all year long? He's had stretches where he looked like, a little bit of the guy that you traded for. 
then you've seen long stretches where it just didn't make any sense. Because if there was one thing that you could count on in the Soto trade, it was that Robert Hassel was going to have a high hit tool. And for whatever reason, that hadn't been the case this year. So hopefully he can continue to find a way to just get base hits because I don't ever see him being a huge difference maker at the major league level. But, you know, a solid seven hitter on a good ball club that plays good in the outfield is very valuable. And I think that's what the Nationals thought they were getting in Robert Hassel, a guy that they could definitely depend on. So if he can find a way to just get back to that, then you throw him in the outfield with Cruz and Wood and hopefully Elijah Green in the future and figure some places for him to play. I think he can still be a solid player for this team. And, you know, he got hot at the end, like you were saying. So it felt like, oh, man, this is going to go to waste. But hits in his nine of his first 10 games in the Arizona Fall League. So it's good to see that he's maybe finding something that he can carry over into next year. Yeah, he had a big home run last night, as did Israel Pineda, by the way, both of the Nats. Uh, better hitting prospects. Homered last evening. Hassel had a walk-off hit earlier this week as well. Uh, I think you're right. Like When he was initially acquired, he was seen as the safest of those prospects, which is kind of interesting to think about now. But my expectation, everything I'd been told since he was drafted was, as you said, this isn't a star, but this is a solid major leaguer. He's going to hit 275 with 20 home runs and probably steal 15 or 20 bases every single year. And while I still think that he might be able to eventually steal those bases and, and who knows, maybe hit 275 as well. I have not seen anywhere near, you know, 20 homer power from him. That would be one of the things that I would say is not happening. I, I will admit that <clears throat> teams bake in a little more power when guys get to the majors now, not only because of the baseballs, which are only used in AAA and not at the levels Hassel's been at, uh, but because of, um, you know, the, the velocity of pitching, guys being in the strike zone more routinely, like some of the things that actually benefit you. And so I remember talking to someone about uh, Jacob Young, and I was like, do you think he could hit 10 to 15 home runs in the majors? And uh, and their point was, well, yeah, if he plays 150 times, he will. And they're like, there's really nobody anymore. There might be a guy or two in the big leagues. But for the most part, if you get 500 at bats in the major leagues with those baseballs and the way ballparks are built now, like you're going to hit 10, 12 home runs. And it used to be that a guy like Juan Pierre or somebody might only hit two or three in a season, but things have changed and it's, it's a little easier to hit home runs now. And then it's just a matter of, are you good enough to get the at bats? So if you're a great defender and a speed guy and, and you're playing because of that, then it, you know, if you're a four or five, six home run guy in the minors, you probably end up being a, an eight or nine home run guy, 10 home run guy in the big league. So, you know, if Hassel gets there, I would imagine some of the numbers tick up a bit um, eventually. It doesn't mean right away because the competition's obviously stiffer and harder and it, it's harder to succeed. But just in terms of a lot of dead fly balls and double A might go over the fence with the baseballs and, and the big leagues. Um, you sometimes will see that uptick when guys get to triple A as well. But um, some of the Nats will benefit from that this coming season. Uh, for sure. All right. One thing I wanted to hit on with you is the shakeup to the staff that we've seen before we get to Barry Sverluga. And we drilled on on that with him in just a couple of moments. Um, the, the big move that's been made as far as I'm concerned. So we talked on the pod not long ago about the fact that they brought in Danny Haas, who's going to run uh, essentially co-run a couple departments for them. He was hired as uh, the new scouting director. Uh, I love the hire this week or this past week of Brad Selick from the Orioles. He has run their drafts. Uh, he has had immense success with Baltimore's drafts. They don't really miss. 
it's an ultra savvy analytical place where, you know, I think they got the best GM in, in all of sports right now in Mike Elias. And they got a, a, a cheat code in Sig Meidel, who's his right hand man, who's a rocket scientist with, you know, passing out pamphlets on numbers a bunch of years ago to get a job. And then he went to the Astros and built what he did. And, and now with the Orioles is doing the same thing. Uh, so Celic's been around those guys kind of absorbing and learning in, in the best kitchen. And as a sous chef, you're bringing him over now to help run a big part of your department. I thought that was a hell of a hire for the Nationals. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it changes things for the Nationals. You hear in our conversation with Barry Sverluga, he brings up the idea that, you know, now the Nationals get a look inside the kitchen and see what ingredients they like to use. Basically, what numbers are they looking at to project into future big leaguers? Because we've seen it with the Orioles now, obviously, Adley Rutschman and Jackson Holiday were number one overall picks, but Gunnar Henderson looks like he could be an MVP type player and they got him in the second round. You know, those kinds of guys, how do they find them? How do they identify them? How do they have the best system in all of baseball now? They bring that over to the Nationals or at least a little bit of that. And it gives you some encouragement because the Nationals, you know, they went through a long stretch where it was basically a throwaway in the draft. And maybe you find one guy, which shouldn't be the case, but it was the case for the Nationals for a long time. So now if you can start building that system and i think the most encouraging thing at least you would hope going forward washington's a bigger market than baltimore you would hope that at some point down the road it doesn't all have to be prospects because the the thing that a lot of baltimore orioles fans are worried about is oh can we keep the guys or oh shoot we get to free agency they're not going to spend anything you look at the trade deadline like their prized possession was jack flaherty like the nationals you would hope at some point can build things and then if they look at it, they say, oh, we can go sign a Max Scherzer again. Oh, we can go sign someone to help out in the outfield or at first base or something like that. That's what you would hope. So I think the Nationals have an opportunity now. You bring in a guy from the Orioles who has built a stellar farm system. If you can combine a stellar farm system with hopefully the ability to spend some money, I think you've got a, you're, you're well on your way to hopefully repeating 2019 or at least getting back to that sort of run that the Nationals had from 2012 to 2019. 